You know, one of my favorite parts of Christmas has always been the lights. It lights up the neighborhoods around us. It lights up the stores. It, it even lights up the gas station by my house, which is weirdly really cool. It, uh, and if you're like my neighbor, he loves lights so much, he just leaves them on all year long, right? But, but the reality is that I love the lights. Our, our family gets geeked out about it. We go around, we look at them constantly. And it just seems like no matter where I've lived over the years, is just, Christmas just seems to light up the world around us. And this whole imagery of, of light, this whole theme of light is... It was super important on the very first Christmas, too. If you remember the story, right, the angels did this dazzling light show in the sky, right? The, the wise men, they followed this star, this bright, unique star for miles and miles and miles to the newborn king. In fact, all the way through Scripture, you notice that light is one of the major reoccurring themes in the Bible. The Bible says this in 1 John, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Way back in Genesis, as God was creating the world, he said, let there be light. Again, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. To be honest, this whole theme of light, Jesus coming to this earth is the whole reason for Christmas. It's the whole reason that we celebrate it the way we do. John sort of wraps it all up in John 12, verse 46 of the Gospels. He says this, Jesus said, I have come as a light to shine into this dark world so that all who would put their trust in me will no longer wander in darkness. In other words, he's just saying there's a reality in our world today that that everybody, you, me, everybody walks through some dark days in our life. We just have these times where it's difficult, where you don't want to get out of bed, where you're afraid to face the world, where you don't feel like it's worth the effort, where you want to throw in the towel in just about every respect. We all go through these dark times, but tonight, I want us to look on the light of Christmas as truly the answer for the dark days of our life. In fact, tonight I want us to look specifically at three types of dark days and how Jesus, how the light of Christmas is the answer to every single one of those. And so I keep talking about dark days. What do I mean? Well, I think you guys know. One of them is the dark days of disappointment, right? Job, if you remember Job and his story, he had a brutal time through a portion of his life. And he's quoted as saying this, I hope for happiness and light, but trouble and darkness came instead. I just wondered, as you listen to those words, if you've ever felt that way, hoping for one thing, but we're disappointed. There's been a lot of disappointing news in this last year, hasn't there? Especially if you're a Detroit Lions fan. Again, we started off great, right? We did, but then we came to a crashing halt about week five, so we're not going to the playoffs in here. If you want to pray for anybody during this time of year, please pray for the Lions fans. They, they just have not had any success. On an unrelated subject, though, there's other things like the Catholic Church has struggled this year. They've been in the headlines way too often and not for good things. And it's caused their church to struggle, but it's also caused the message of Jesus to be a little bit lost in the midst of the scandal. You look at the statistics and suicides are way up in our country. It seems like there's a wave of hopelessness spreading through, especially among the youngers. Church attendance, not surprisingly, is down as a result of that in many ways. You got the divisiveness of this upcoming election that, man, it seems like it's reached all-time lows in the political theater that is. The bias and unreliability of the major news channels has reached almost comic proportions. I remember reading about yellow journalism as I was growing up and never thought that would be the major sources of news for today. And then there's just the hope for more civility, more kindness, more integrity, more truth in our world, and that too seems to be waning more and more as we look at our culture. 
remember going to Texas, and Texas seems like it's a different country in some ways, but you go in there and people will let you in line, you know, or they'll let you pull your car out or let you get into the lane. It was just different. That was back in the, in the late 90s and early 2000s. And I went to the, just the mall the other day and nobody let me do that. It was just different, right? <laughs> In fact, I thought I was going to cause an accident as I was leaving my parking spot. Like two cars kind of went in. But we just keep hoping for a different culture, a different society, one that's based more on truth, one that's based more on kindness or self-respect or, or just respect toward others. Any way you slice it, it just seems like there's been a lot of disappointing things, a lot of disappointing news. You add to that the nervousness of not knowing exactly where things will be headed in the next year, politically, economically, personally. And you can get to a place where it's just kind of overwhelming. And if you don't believe me, just turn on the news for a period of time and you feel like it's a little bit overwhelming, right? But the fact is, is life is disappointing at times for all of us. Things don't work out as planned. Situations don't always work themselves out. Presents that you see at Christmas that you're sure you know what they are tomorrow or later tonight, you're going to be a little bit disappointed maybe. Remember back a few years, I was looking at a present, and I knew it was a basketball. It had to be a basketball. I was so excited it was a basketball. I was going to play all Christmas Day with that basketball, and I opened it up, and it was a globe. <laughs> that is not the same thing to an eight-year-old boy, I tell you. And you look at the Christmas story, and you think, man, Mary had to be a little bit disappointed, too. She was told that she was going to bear the Messiah, the King of Kings, right? The Lord of hosts, everything. She was so, I mean, I'm going to give this baby, you know, I'm going to bear this baby in a palace or some really cool place. My life is going to change for the better. And if you know the story, she instead had to deliver the King of Kings in a stable. I think that would be a little bit disappointing. Not a Holiday Inn, not a Hilton, not even a Motel 6, but somebody's garage, right? Surrounded by cows and sheep and the stench. Yikes, that had to be a little bit disappointing. But then there's, there's dark days of distress. If you look at different studies, anxiety is the number one social or emotional issue in our culture today, and distress is a way that describes that. And that's when you're overwhelmed or you're stressed out or you're just plain frustrated. You've got too much to do and you don't have enough time to do it, you don't have enough money to do it, you don't have enough energy to do it. Just think about the last few days just trying to hush out for Christmas presents, Right? And here's the thing, though, in the midst of all that feeling, you just don't know what to do to change it. It just keeps coming. Imagine Mary felt a little distressed that very first Christmas. In the first place, she was nine months pregnant, and she had to ride a donkey, right, all the way from Nazareth to Bethlehem, which was about 70 miles. Let me say that again. She was nine months pregnant. What are you worried about when you're nine months pregnant? Having the baby. Does anybody want to get on a donkey for 70 miles and just kind of roll the dice and see what happens? No. A lot of stress on that trip, I'm sure. Then she has the first baby she's ever had in her life by herself, alone in that stable. You say, wait a minute, there was Joseph. I'll just remind you, they just had a 70-mile trip. I don't know how helpful he was at that point. But she had a baby all alone with Joseph in the stable. That would be stressful. And then right after the birth, she had people coming to see the baby. Just process through that. 70-mile trip, hike on a donkey, stayed in a garage, didn't have a chance to take a shower, and then people are showing up. <laughs> I don't care how not vain you are, that would stress you out. David, too, experienced stress in his life. He said one time, I cried desperately for help, but it still doesn't come. And I wonder if you've ever felt that way. Help me, somebody, I'm overloaded. I've got way too much going on, way too much to do. Nobody helps, nobody comes. 
The dark days of distress is when you're stretched to the limit and there's more to do and there's more to deal with and there's more to go through and you just don't see an end and there doesn't seem to be a way to press pause or you just need a break. And my guess is tonight that's where some of you guys are. You're just overwhelmed and quite frankly, you don't know what to do about it. And you're just excited that you got here tonight, but well, maybe that's a, a stretch. You, you got here tonight and that's the victory. And there's dark days of depression. If you ever look at those studies, it's the second biggest emotional issue that we deal with. And that's when you, everything seems to be caving in around you. When you're depressed, you start feeling like, what's the use? What does it matter? It feels like giving up. In World War II, Winston Churchill said that when the war started in Europe, he said the light has gone out in Europe. I'm just guessing, but I'm guessing some of you feel like, like that about your life right now. The light's gone out of my life. And if you're there, Jeremiah understands. In Lamentations 3, verse 19 through 20, he says this, the, the thought of my pain is bitter poison. I think of it constantly, and my spirit is depressed. Truth is, some of you faced a major crisis in 2019. Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe it was the death of a loved one. Maybe it was a defeat of some sort. Maybe you just got laid off. A major illness is something you had to deal with, whatever. And the fact is, is you don't feel like being happy at the holidays. In fact, the happiness of the holidays only intensifies your pain and your loneliness. And when you're in that kind of situation, you just start to wonder, does anybody care? I mean, really, does anybody really care? And so tonight, if you don't get anything else that I say, I want you to hear this. I want you to know that God cares. That God loves you more than you could possibly comprehend. He cares about you because you matter to him. The thing is, he created you from the very beginning. He knit you together in your mom's womb. He has purpose for your life. You're his kid. You're his creation. And he loves you desperately. As such, your pain matters to him. Your life matters to him. In 1 Samuel 22, verse 29, David's crying out with this understanding in the midst of his pain. He says, you, Lord, are the, my light and you dispel my darkness. He looked to God as someone who gave hope, as someone that could help, as someone who could move him past where he was. See, ever since the very beginning of time, right, God has been answering our deepest needs and ministering to our deepest hurts in ways that transform us. And the coming of Jesus only intensifies the way that we can experience God. And so Jesus says to you tonight, I am the light of the world. In other words, he came to light up your dark days to give you hope, to remind you that he's able, to remind you that he cares. He came on Christmas so that we didn't have to live in the dark anymore. You start asking, well, how does he do that? I'll give you three ways tonight. One of the first things he does is he encourages us in the midst of our disappointment. I don't know if you've had encouragers in your life. We have lots of discouragers in our life, but God God says, I want to be an encourager, right? In Psalm 34, verse 18, it says, The Lord is near to those who are discouraged. He saves those who have lost all hope. So the first way that God encourages us is he reminds us that he's with us. I mean, every step of the way. He cares about our struggles. He cares about our hurts. He sees every tear. He sees every struggle. He knows every time you're anxious, you're worried, you're stressed, you're afraid. But his promise is to you every step of the way, I'm with you. I've got you. You're my child. We will get through this. I think when we get to heaven, we'll be blown away by how much God spares us from in this life. I think we'll be blown away because we're overwhelmed with how much we have to deal with, right? But I think we'll be blown away by how much he just avoided for us. 
But the stuff that comes, God says, I can get you through it. Trust me on this. We can get to the other side. There's so much of this victim mentality in our culture today that says, oh, you just have to stay there. No, God's about the second chance. He's about the new beginning. He's about fresh starts. He's about working you through the struggles till you get to a better place. I say that because some of you had a tough time this last year. Maybe 2019 was a disappointing year. You didn't get the promotion you thought you'd get. You didn't close the sale you thought you were going to do. You didn't complete the project. Maybe your marriage or your relationship didn't turn out the way you thought it would. And as a result, your hopes and your dreams, the things that you thought would happen, man, they just didn't. And we again start to wonder in those moments, where's God? And his promise to us is this, his answers to us is this, he's right by your side. He hasn't left you. You hear this word Emmanuel during this time of year, and Emmanuel simply means God is with us. He encourages us in these disappointing times by reminding us that he walks by our side, that we never have to go through anything by ourselves, that he's with us. And the darkest part of the night is when the light shines the brightest. So God encourages us by helping us realize and remember again that he's got a plan, a purpose for our life, that he's not done using us, that there's still stuff for us to accomplish, to do that he still has things that he wants us to experience. We're stuck right now in this little place. We've pressed pause on our life, and he wants to unpause us to begin living again. Jeremiah 29 says this, The plans I have for you, says the Lord, are plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. And those words are true for you guys tonight. God promises I work all things for the good of those who love me doesn't mean all things are good. There's a lot of bad in this world. It's kind of like manure, right? That's not good. But you put manure on a field that you want to grow crops and it all of a sudden does extraordinary things. God can use those horrible moments in your life, not that they were his will or his plan, but he can use those and he can turn them into something beautiful. He just says, I want to help you in the midst of your struggle. I, I don't want to hurt you. I created you. I have a future and a hope for you. And he reminds me that he is with me and he encourages me in these disappointing moments. He also strengthens us when we're, dist- when we're d- uh, distressed. I think there's a great verse in Philippians 4.13. It says this, I have the strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. My guess is that some of you need to go home and put that in your refrigerator tonight. Seriously. Because you need more strength in your life to deal with what is. You need more perseverance. You need the ability to keep on going, to keep on keeping on, to keep on trusting, to have hope. I have strength for all things. I'm ready for anything and equal to anything. It's like skitting in the mirror and saying, I'm competent, I'm capable, I'm able to handle whatever comes my way in my own power. No. But through the power of God that he gives us through Jesus Christ, God is able to give you guys a patience that's just different than your normal. He's able to give you the strength to put one foot in front of the other and to keep on walking even in the midst of really hard times. He's able to give you hope and gives you something to keep shooting for and to keep going for because you recognize eventually God will get through this mess with you and get you to the other side. In Psalm 23, verse 4, David says, even though I go through the deepest darkness or even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid for you are with me. Again, the darkest part of the night is when the light shines the brightest. There's 150 psalms in the book of Psalms. And all of them can be summed up really in one sentence, and it's this. Life is tough, but God is good. I think sometimes we want to reverse those, right, and say that life is supposed to be good, but God, you're mean. But that's not true to our experience, and that's not true at all. 
And when we start thinking that way, we get mixed up and we get confused and we get in this, these victim kind of states because all we do is blame. But the reality is that life is hard. Our experience tells us that. But God is good and gives us hope to get through it to the other side. There's 365 fear knots in the Bible. I think that's cool because it's one for every day of the year, right? And it's just God saying to us, no matter where you are, no matter where you're stuck in life, do not fear. I've got you. I love you. You're mine. God's saying, get the message. Don't be afraid. I will strengthen you when you're distressed. And then he gives us this last one. He will change us when we're depressed. Do you know when you get depressed, God doesn't want to just pat you on the back and say, hey, cheer up, little camper? I mean, yeah, God actually wants to help, which is different, right? There's a lot of people that say, hey, I wish you felt better. Hey, we're here for you, but don't know really what to do. But, but God actually wants to help, and to do that, he has to change us. In fact, he wants to use the depression to help you learn some new attitudes, some new thoughts, some new approaches, some new choices in this coming year. He doesn't want just to keep you going and staying in this place of helplessness. He wants to get you to the other side. He wants you to change. And the cool part is that he can accomplish that. This Christmas, you may feel overwhelmed for a whole host of different reasons. Seems like it's the thing to do right now. Maybe you're going through some of these dark days that we talked about, dark days of disappointment, distress, depression. But the good news is because of Christmas, there is now a light in the world that can dispel that darkness. 1 John 2, 8, John says again, the darkness in our lives disappears and the new light of life in Christ shines in. It shines into our life in a way that makes a difference. So you think back to that first Christmas, right? And one of the things that's always amazed me is the star, right? That the wise men followed. I mean, it, just think about that. There's this huge, unique star, and you're back in a time where everybody's looking up at the stars because they don't have TV, right? And they don't have iPhones. They don't have all these different things. They're looking up the stars at night because there's nothing else to do, I guess, right? So you notice stuff like that. Everybody notices the star. And the cool thing about these guys is that they followed, but everybody saw it, right? There was millions and millions and millions of people who saw that star, but they didn't do anything about it. But these wise men, they chose to follow. Maybe that's why they called them wise. And here's the point behind all that. It's one thing that, to know that there's a light in this world, but it's something quite different to follow it. The point is, in this life, you can choose darkness or light. You can. It's your choice. God shows you the light through Jesus but you can choose to go blindfolded, and so many in our culture have chosen that path. But if you want to get out of these dark days, again, there's a reason there's more anxiety and stress and depression today than ever before in the history of recorded mankind, at least in terms of these studies that they've been doing. If you want to get out of these dark days, you must choose to start living in the light. It's your choice. Everyone came to Christmas Eve services for different reasons, right? Some of you came out of tradition. Some of you came because it's a thing to do. Some of you came because out of habit or out of curiosity or because somebody invited you. But no matter why you're here tonight, I need you to know this. It's not an accident. God brought you here just so that he could share this with you tonight. He brought you here so he could tell you and remind you again that you matter to him, that he loves you so much. That's why he sent you Jesus he knows all about you, and he just wants you to know him too. He came in human form so that you could relate to him in a whole different way, and so he gave us Jesus, and he wants to have a relationship with you. That's why he shared so much about who he is. I'm not talking about religion or rituals or rules or regulations. I'm talking about a relationship with the creator of the universe, the one who made you, the one who knows how you're designed and how you work better than anybody else. And so he says, I came I came to light up the darkness in people's lives. 
I came to forgive. I came to renew. I came to give hope. My prayer is that you let Jesus do that this Christmas. My prayer is that you let him in in a real and a new way to let him start working on some of the stuff that we're struggling with because we need it. And all God's people said, amen. Let me pray. God, I love tonight. Again, I love the lights. I love the songs. I just love being reminded that you love us, that you've got us, that we're yours. I love that to be reminded that we mattered so much that you sent us Jesus. You didn't have to, but you saw that we needed a Savior because you saw where we were going. And you knew we needed one that could bring us back to focus. It could remind us that there is an ultimate truth, to remind us that there is someone who cares, to remind us that there is someone more powerful that can help, to remind us that there is an answer to our struggles in this life. And so we thank you today for sending us Jesus. Father, may that thought, may those remembrances cause us to view Christmas in a different way tomorrow. And let us just celebrate this newborn king. We pray that tonight in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.